speaks on the stuff progressives get wrong and how we can do better. Her name is Christina Villarini, and she is here to reveal her cosmopolitan bias to a shocking degree. Recorded in New York, you're listening to the Cosmopolitan Bias Podcast. This is episode three of the Cosmopolitan Bias Podcast. Welcome to this week's show. I'm Christina, and after a really long break, we are back. And wherever you are, I hope you're staying safe and healthy as you listen in. This episode is titled The Kansas Experiment, a.k.a. The Red State Experiment. We are talking about the 2012 tax cuts in Kansas, taxation, spending, how they're linked, and how they laid the blueprint for the Trump tax cuts. And of course, why you should know about all of it. So let's get to it. In May 2012, a bill named Kansas Senate Bill Substitute HB 2117 was signed into law by Sam Brownback, then governor of the state of Kansas. It was one of the largest income tax cuts in the state's history, which he said would be a shot of adrenaline into the heart of the Kansas economy. Russell Berman wrote in The Atlantic at the time that it was the nation's most aggressive experiment in conservative economic policy. The shot in the heart Brownback was referring to was the idea that supply-side economics, aka Reaganism, aka trickle-down economics, would make Kansas a destination for small and big businesses alike. But the real bones of it is an idea that is still debated to this very day. The idea that cutting taxes generates more revenue is something known as the Laffer Curve, named after an economist, Arthur Laffer, whom we'll talk about a little later in the show. But the basics of the Laffer Curve is this. If I, Christina, pay zero dollars in taxes. The state will get no revenue from me because I'm not being taxed. But if I, Christina, am taxed at 100%, the state will still get little to no revenue because I, Christina, am going to do everything possible to avoid paying taxes that are that high. So there needs to be a sweet spot between zero and 100 where revenues are high for the government, and hopefully I would be incentivized to keep paying taxes so the state would continue to receive that revenue. So let's get back to Kansas, because this would be a real experiment. In order to really understand Kansas in 2012, we need to remember where the country was. The Tea Party movement was all the rage within the Republican Party. It was moving conservatives a lot further right fast, and it was bringing with them the Tea Party's core fiscal principles, lower taxes, reduction of the national debt of the United States, and a reduction of the federal budget deficit through decreased government spending. And the Tea Party star at the time was Sam Brownback. In 2010, 
Kansas was recovering like many states from the Great Recession. And Sam Brownback came back to Kansas after 14 years in the Senate and one failed presidential bid, ready to make Kansas the most small government, business-loving state there was. And if he could achieve this, maybe 2012 would be his year to run again. But before any of this could happen, he needed to achieve growth back home. So he brought back with him Arthur Laffer. Remember him? So they go back to Wichita. Arthur Laffer as a paid consultant and Sam Brownback as the new governor. But Arthur Laffer is the Reagan-era godfather of supply-side economics. And the same guy I talked about earlier. It was Laffer who would help create the Kansas tax plan and try to help achieve the outcome that would make Kansas the envy of the country. Or so they thought. Any serious model tells you that economic growth always leads to increases in revenues, not reductions in revenue, said Arthur Laffer. But there was still that pesky post-recession recovery to deal with. Though, if you really want to scrutinize the moment that Kansas was in, they weren't in such bad shape. In 2011, CNBC ranked Kansas 11th in its America's Top States for Business list, beating out states like Delaware, Florida, Ohio, New York, and California. These are the guys that are the big places that we all think of when we think of billionaires and millionaires and all the people and where they want to live and start businesses and where prestigious companies exist. Kansas was 11th out of the 50. But Brownback and Laffer's plan cut taxes by $231 million in its first year. And the cuts were projected to total $934 million after six years. They did so by eliminating taxes on business income for the owners of almost 200,000 businesses and cutting individual income tax rates. Brownback, Laffer, and other conservative economists thought they were creating the tax policy of the future. And apparently in the future, no one lies or uses loopholes to get out of paying taxes. Because what actually happened was this. Everyone took advantage of these new loopholes. Some Kansas business owners even restructured their companies as limited liability corporations, LLCs, to avoid paying income tax at all. Ultimately, the experiment would fail so badly that state revenues would fall by $700 million in a single fiscal year. Moody's and Standard & Poor's would downgrade Kansas's credit rating multiple times, which means that Kansas's ability to borrow money to make up for the shortfalls would become a heck of a lot more expensive. Try getting a loan if you have bad credit, if you can even get one. Job growth in Kansas lagged behind all of their neighboring states. 
But what do you do when you run out of money and you need to desperately pay it back? Well, you take money out of all the places you shouldn't. Kansas pillaged all of their cash to try and cover the difference for years. They dipped into the reserves set aside for future spending. They postponed construction projects and pension contributions. And they cut Medicaid benefits. And since half of the state's budget went to education, schools suffered a whole heck of a lot. Kansans did make Republicans pay at the ballot for the plan in 2016, though. And by 2017, with economic growth remaining consistently below average, the Republican legislature of Kansas voted to roll back the cuts, although Sam Brownback vetoed the repeal the legislature succeeded in overriding his veto. So to recap, Kansas lowered taxes, and then people paid even fewer taxes. And all that missing money meant there was zero fucking dollars available for the things that taxes actually pay for, infrastructure and education. Kansans didn't actually get that memo until it was too late. We were five years removed from the situation in Kansas, which is basically old enough to know better when Trump signed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, a $1.5 trillion tax cut that did, to its credit, help bring unemployment numbers down. Would that have happened? If we didn't get that tax cut, your guess is as good as mine. But one thing we do know is who the economic advisor to Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign was. It was Arthur Laffer. So it should surprise absolutely fucking nobody that Donald Trump would be using the red state template on the national stage even though that very template should have given some pause to the idea that cutting taxes improves overall economic performance. The biggest difference between the federal and state governments is that Washington can borrow money and run deficits, while states have to balance their budgets each year. At either the state or the federal level, the same old tired economics benefit the folks at the top of the income pyramid or the people who are willing to manipulate tax law. And these are often the same person. Do you hear that faint trickle in the distance? The theory more broadly that cutting taxes and loosening up the rules and regulations on the wealthy will lead to more investment and innovation and new jobs and rapid economic growth for everyone else. This idea that that's what happens continues to be just a fucking good campaign slogan and a surefire way to get donations from rich and powerful corporations. Because while all of these Trump tax cuts were promised as a gift for all the working class heroes who love him, 
More than 60% of the tax savings went to people in the top 20% of the income ladder, according to the Nonpartisan Tax Policy Center. And a report from December 2019 by the Economic Policy Institute said, President Trump's tax bill did not increase wages for working people, failed to spur business investments, decreased corporate tax revenues, and boosted stock buybacks in its wake. That would be the very same stock buybacks that would prop up the airline industry, its CEOs, and shareholders so that they can line their pockets right before they would receive historic relief packages to stay afloat thanks to COVID-19. If only everyone had to have a rainy day fund. These are our tax dollars at work, folks. So what is good tax policy? And what's realistic? While there's no one size fits all, the states do have a pretty good template. Property taxes, income taxes, and state taxes have to make sense for their residents. And if you don't have state taxes, the other two things have to make sense and you have to think about how to make up the revenue. Maybe you're a tourist state like Florida. But one of the most repeated myths in conservative state tax policy is the so-called millionaire tax flight, where millionaires run away as fast as possible from places with high income tax rates to states with lower tax rates. The reality is that it's just three-tenths, less than 1% of all millionaires in the U.S., who move to lower tax states in a given year. That's a lot less than 1%, folks. Many moderates and many progressive millionaires want to pay more and think they should. But it was pseudo-billionaire Trump who proudly said that his 2017 tax bill will be rocket fuel for the U.S. economy. It seems that the GOP's rocket is always fueled by capitalism on the way up and socialism on the way down. Thank you for listening to the Cosmopolitan Bias Podcast. To connect with Christina or to support the podcast, please visit Cosmobias.com. 